Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. Well, here we are after an interesting football game on Sunday night. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. We are brought to you by BetUS.com. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with, yes, yours truly, Nick Cattles. Greg I mean, you're looking at this game on Sunday night going in. We thought, well, this is a Super Bowl contender in Seattle, and you would feel fortunate if you stayed close. I feel like Patriots fans got a lot more than just that. Yeah, I think so, Nick. I think, you know, if I were a Patriots fan, I would feel encouraged. Um, Now, you know, do I necessarily think that uh, after this game that the Seahawks are a Super Bowl contender? Yeah, maybe. I think they have some issues on defense that need to be worked out. I do think after this game, I think uh, Seattle now looks like a very formidable offense, which is something a little bit different than we've seen from them in the past. I don't think it's going to be just the rush show. I think they have a lot of uh, pieces all over the place. Uh, but if but if I'm a Patriots fan, I, I have to come away really encouraged that they were – they ended up being – they didn't play well on defense – Offensively, they did. They were one yard away from winning the game. Um, And, you know, sort of the way things happened, I think that we went into this game and we've talked about it, that, you know, what are they going to be able to get from the from the passing offense? What are they going to get offensively? If they get down two scores, what's going to happen? Are they going to be able to come back? Are they going to be are they going to have enough firepower? And I think we got an answer on Sunday night. Now, I do think that the Seahawks. You know, they're a long way from the Legion of Boom defensively. I thought that their scheme gave the Patriots a lot of opportunities to make plays, to stay in the game, Yeah, uh, especially with their zone coverage. We can't forget about the Diggs ejection either, which which affects the defense. That and Bruce Irvin, you know, was lost with an ACL. I think we're going to hear sort of the same news on the Patriots with Derek Rivers. But, uh, you know, Bruce Irvin is a bigger part of their defense than – uh, than Derek Rivers is for the Patriots. But, uh, yeah, I thought um, – but you have to be encouraged. You do. Yeah, they came up one yard short uh, of winning that game. Uh, you can – there's a lot of arguments to be made whether the Patriots should have even been in that position if the Seahawks managed things a little bit differently. But no question, I came away from watching the film and I just got done uh, – I watched the offensive film uh, on Monday night. I just got done with the defensive film. And there's a lot to go through on the defensive front. But uh, I came away encouraged that Cam Newton, especially, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but I thought I thought Cam really played well. 
overall and really opened up a lot of eyes, especially uh, my eyes in terms of what he's he's the the potential that he has in this offense. What'd you think of the final play call? I, I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it was something that the Patriots had run a number of times early on this season. It worked. And I feel like if Cam bounced this outside, and he even said it after the game, if he bounced it outside, it's an easy touchdown. Maybe if he actually jumped over the pile straight ahead, it could have been a touchdown as well, even though I don't think so because Wagner shot the gap. But I didn't have a, a big problem with the play call, Greg. I just thought that Seattle played it better. Up front, they beat the Patriots, and sometimes defenses make plays. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem uh, with the play. I mean, we've we I think we talked about it coming into the game. We talked about that. Uh, it's like almost like a super jumbo package where they have yeah. seven offensive linemen on the field, two tight ends. They have a fullback who wears about 255. You have a quarterback that weighs 245. I mean, that the, uh, on average, per player, per of those 11 guys on the field, the Patriots weigh an average of 296 pounds. Ooh. And and it's if a the lot de- of meat, Greg, it's yeah, a lot of meat out there. A, that's a lot of meat. And and if if the defense is not going to match you man on man, and we might see that going forward, even though I don't I don't know how many teams have that kind of tonnage to to match up with the Patriots. But and the Seahawks came out; they have five defensive linemen. And you know, yes, you could say, well, it was predictable. But the thing is, is like Josh McDaniels had run that package different ways like a few different ways like fourth and one in Miami they ran a left end power behind Johnson for four yards uh third and one in Seattle earlier in the game one yard Newton TD run Johnson was on the right and they ran a counter play where Cam sort of takes the ball pauses turns a little bit this way and that gives Johnson who was on his right time to pull along with Shaq Mason. That was a different wrinkle on the play. Then third and one versus Seattle, the two-yard Newton run. Uh, Cam alerted the play. Johnson flipped to the right. Tooney pulled, and and Newton plunged in. Then you have the, the pass. And so then they went back to the sort of left-end power where yeah. this package has started. And – Seattle just played the play differently. Um, instead of pinching in the middle, which we saw earlier, and I think I think the the, the jumbo package before this one, call there there was Collier went a little bit outside, and there was a little bit of hint that this might be coming. But you have LJ Collier going a, up against Michael Owenu, uh, one of their rookie t- uh, tackles, and instead of Collier. When you blocked down, thinking that they were going to pinch again, instead Collier, they were slanting that way to the fullback side, the strength of the formation, and when you just missed his block, if he if he if he doesn't allow Collier to cross his face, if he stays square up with him, ideally you get on his outside shoulder and keep him pinned in. Newton walks in; it's a touchdown. It's just he the kid, a rookie in his second NFL game failed to make the proper block. They didn't execute. Other than that, the Patriots did fine. Yes, Bobby Wagner ran through, but Shaq Mason actually reacted well and and stunted that. And I know there are a lot of people who are like, well, why don't we why don't they give them more options? Well, first of all, you have two tight ends on the field plus the fullback. They can all go out for passes. Um they had run a two-point conversion uh earlier in the game that failed 
and where they sort of spread the field a little bit and they ran read option and Jamal Adams basically busted the play up by himself. Yeah, he blew it up. Yep. Yeah, that was a fear. That was a fear that if you do spread out, if you spread out the Seahawks, then that's playing to their strength, that they're fast. They're not the biggest defense, but they're fast and will beat you to the spot. This time the Patriots said, you know, what's our strength? And I, I don't have a problem with that. Another factor that people aren't factoring in is that how many times do you think they've repped goal line? You know, they've only they only started practicing in pads on August 14th. That's <laughs> yeah. like a month ago. Yeah. And so we saw 12 practices. They probably had another, I don't know, a half dozen or so. But how many, how many, how many goal line packages do you think this team has Not installed? Many. And plus they had already called three to that point plus the two point conversion. So with COVID and everything and Cam Newton being new and having to basically teach him the system, they just don't have a full repertoire of stuff ready yeah. yet. Yeah. And we and, too. And that's fine. I don't yeah, have and, a problem with that. And sometimes it's just, Hey, the, the big guys, the, the fat guys up front, they've got to make blocks. And as you said, Amanu, he missed his block is what it is. It happens in football. I didn't think it was as big of a deal as some people had made it out to be. Some people think, and I'm one of those people, by the way, Greg, that the Patriots should not have even been in that position to win that game. But thanks to PT Carroll, oh, PT, baby, PT again, uh, <laughs> third and short. Let's throw the football downfield. Throw, throw, uh, throw. I, I just, I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> that was. All right, so, I mean, my biggest takeaway from the game from watching this outside of, you know, Cam actually being a viable quarterback in week two, which I didn't think would be possible in the scheme, was that the defense was terrible in this game. I mean, yeah. Yeah. awful. Middle they, of the field was atrocious. Yeah, and and the thing, you, you know how we know that? You know how we know why it was, it was inept the other night? It was because the Seahawks – ran 60 plays, and the Patriots only got them in the third down seven times. Yeah, That's no it. Bueno. That is – and I actually – I went back and I looked at it, over, went over to Pro Football Reference. Like, how often does this happen? Well, first of all, they gave up over seven yards of play, which is only the 18th time. It was the 18th most, I think, ever in Belichick's Patriots tenure. Um, as far as the third down, this was only the third time ever since 2001 that the opponent has run 60 plays and the Patriots have held that have, have only got them to third down seven seven times, fewer than eight times. It's only the third time it's happened. That's just every time it was second and one, second and three, second and two. Even when the Patriots got them into uh, actually stopped them a little bit on first down. The, the the Seahawks still found found ways to make plays, and so you know, so you get they get down to this situation third and one. It's third and one. Of course, they had a good first down play, uh, and they get to third and one, and you know the Patriots are coming, and they do. And instead of just running the ball or letting Russell Wilson make a play with his feet or something, the Patriots hadn't stopped them all day. <laughs> and, and it's not only that. Like, you just want the Patriots to burn a timeout. Yep. So even if you fail, you want to run something, give Russell the chance. If nothing's there, he slides, whatever. The Patriots got to burn a timeout. That would have been their second timeout. That would have left them with one with a very clunky passing offense. Even though it was, it was effective, it was a bit clunky. 
And I don't think they would have they would have really had a shot to win the game if the Seahawks just ran the ball there and made them burn a timeout. But of course, you know, Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer, uh, you know, have to look brilliant and try to win the game, which they did the week before on a fourth and one. They passed. It worked. They probably were feeling themselves and said, you know what, let's try it again. And it's just it was the wrong play. It was the wrong play at the wrong time. And the Patriots were fortunate to be in that circumstance, plus the the gift pick six. They were gifted a seven nothing lead. Um, But there were there were a lot of good things to take away from that game. I want to remind you, you can uh, check out this pod and, and make sure that you rate and review us as well. Uh, we want to get as many ratings up to the five as we can possibly get. So as you listen to this podcast, please make sure that you uh, rate and review us because that's what will make us that much more popular and uh, make sure that we hang around here for a while, especially on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get to Cam, Greg, because, I mean, going into the game, you and I talked about this last week. I thought this offense was in its infancy, and I was looking at this saying, okay, the first four weeks to five weeks, they're going to feel each other a little bit here. They got to figure out what Cam can do in this offense, what he can't do in this offense. And I wasn't particularly confident that if this team got down two possessions, they'd be able to come right back. They were down by what, 12 points, I think it was, with about five minutes left. And that's precisely what they did. They came shot out of a cannon, and Cam proved that if he has to throw the football to get back into a game, he can do just that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I came away very impressed uh, from this game, Nick. I think we we talked about after the week one game. I didn't have Cam with one positive throw in that game, a plus throw, which means above average. Like anybody can, you know, make a simple throw and and, and catch. But it's really you're looking for plays that are above the average. And I didn't even have Cam attempting one of those in the first game as the Patriots went really conservative with their passing offense and, and uh, really relied on the running game. But, you know, at at a certain point in time, Josh McDaniels said, you know, let's open this up a little bit. And I actually, I had cam for 10 plus throws in this game, which is an enormous amount. It would be if Brady was here as well. Uh, There were, there were passes that he made on the money. Uh, You know, I, I remember there, there were a couple outs to, uh, Demir Bird. There were some nice passes to Nikhil Harry, uh, Edelman, of course. I, and I thought, I thought the thing that really impressed me the most with Cam in this game, Nick, was that he. There, there were times where he threw balls out of uh, before the receiver was out of his breaks, and that's not. I, I haven't watched a ton of Cam film over the years. Been a huge, it hasn't been a huge strength, right? No, no. Cam's always been a guy where it's like he goes back, and it's like. And he still does that. He, he's for some reason he does that with Edelman. I don't know if it's because it's the middle of the field, and he's trying to be a little bit more cautious. But there are times with Edelman where he he will sort of pull the ball back and sort of wait, and then and then that allows Edelman to get hit instead of getting the ball earlier and making a play. But when he throws to the boundary, uh, he threw a lot of time. There were times where he was throwing the ball before the receiver got out of his breaks, and he's really been more of a sight thrower. He needs to see the guy open. Then he throws it. A lot of times that's too late. He did have the the interception that he threw, which was a bad read. Um, he did have a series late in the game, I think late in the third quarter, that was not good. But I thought, I thought overall – he showed a lot more maturity. I thought his uh, his mechanics were better. Some of them, it wasn't perfect. There were some that was, it was a little iffy. But I thought overall, I thought he did a really nice job. It was really impressive. And you could tell he's taking coaching 
He he likes what's going on and he's buying in. And if this is just week two and he's capable of this, I want to see what's to come. Now, Nick, I do need to caution people though, because people would be like, oh, well, this was the Seahawks and look what they did against the Seahawks. And it, it is good. They, they do have players, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Jamal Adams. They're all outstanding. The Seahawks do not have much of a pass rush. Uh, so he wasn't under pressure that much. And then they also do play a lot of zones. So there were a lot of easy reads, easy, easy plays. I do, the, the true test for this passing offense in Cam will be when they go up against a team that is that plays a lot of man coverage. They won't see it coming up against the Raiders. Uh, they might see it more against the Chiefs and the Ravens for sure. But certainly this was a step forward and and it's very promising and and it's a good hopefully it's a precursor of what's to come. Yeah, I mean, watching that last drive, what made me feel pretty good was the Nikhil Harry inclusion in the offense this week. Now, yeah, listen, dude's got to break a tackle. It, it, Nikhil, can you just break one tackle for me? <laughs> I feel good about it. Just break one and I'll feel better. What with that said. Baby steps. And I, I know a lot of people have killed Harry since day one, questioning whether or not he should have been a number one pick, blah, 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 blah. You know, now we've seen, I, I thought week one, it was a baby step. He looked a little bit better. And then this last week, he played a crucial role in that offense. And let's not forget, I mean, he was the one that made the catch that got yep. them down to the one and a half, two yard line. I mean, just if he fell back just a little bit more, we're talking about a game-winning touchdown off the shoulders of Nikhil Harry. So if there are little positives to take, I would take that from the game. The one thing I would say before we get to the defense, because I know, Greg, there's a major issue, and you want to dig a little bit deeper. We, we touched it a little bit a couple of minutes ago, but we got to dive deeper into the issue in the middle of the field, and especially linebacker. But the one thing I would like to see from this offense, and I'm not sure how you feel about it, but, you know, when Harry was drafted and everything we've heard over the first, you know, year plus of him being in New England is that he's a guy who makes contested catches and he's yep. a guy that's going to make, you know, he can make a big play. Well, they're not throwing the football downfield to him very often. Again, that one play that set them up for the possible game winner was downfield. I'd like to see that a little bit more. I'd like to see a couple of more, you know, back shoulder throws to Harry and maybe it'll come once the chemistry is built between Cam and Nikhil but I'd like to see them throw the ball up a little bit and say, hey, Nikhil, make a play downfield. You know, throw 15, 20 yards downfield. Make a play, kid. Let's see what you can do. I get the swing passes. I get wanting to get him into space and maybe try to build him up a little bit. But I do think if you want to see the progression of this offense, they've got to make sure that they keep Nikhil Harry in the plans, and they've got to be willing at least every once in a while to take that shot downfield and give him the opportunity to make a play one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, I, I I think it's a it's a good thought, Nick. And I, I one thing that I would like to see Josh McDaniels do is is probably build that in early into the game, like first first pass of the game. Let's let's wrap a back shoulder pass to Nikhil Harry that we know is going to work that we're that we're confident in. Then maybe give him you know like a little bubble screen or a slant, and then once the once the defense is thinking, all right, well you know I gotta I gotta be ready for the short stuff you know, against Nikhil, all of a sudden you let him, you know, double move it over the top and see and see what happens. I mean, the problem, the problem with Nikhil that I notice in, in the difference on film between him and a guy like uh, DK Metcalf, uh, who for obvious reasons they get compared to is that Harry just, he, he lacks explosion down the field. He doesn't get yeah. a whole lot of separation. Metcalf, 
is much more physical, even though the same he plays Metcalf plays like he's like six seven, and Nikhil Harry plays like he's about six foot. When really Nikhil Harry is like a six foot four receiver. He's gotta yeah. he's gotta play bigger. If he's not gonna beat people down the field, he's gotta play bigger. And right now he's just not doing that. All right, we'll get to the uh, defense because there are some issues in the middle of the field. There's a big, big, big issue, according to Greg, at linebacker. But before we do that, tell the people about our friends, Greg, at BetUS.com. Again, BetUS.com, the reason why we have this Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles actually happen. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Uh, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and it means it's time to get down your bets. How about I them only... Celtics the other night, Greg? Huh? Uh, I know they almost gave away like an 18-point lead, but a win's a win is a win is a win. They love blowing leads, don't they? Uh, <laughs> they, I, they, I, they do it better than anybody else. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainments, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. By the way, I took an easy, I took an early pick at the Patriots line. You know that their favorite, they opened as a six and a half point favorite over the Raiders. That seems a little heavy, doesn't it? Little heavy. What does yeah, Vegas know? Uh, nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Go to betus.com now and fill out your information. It only takes one minute. When you this is important. When you get to the how did you hear about us box, type in Boston Sports Journal and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. So make sure you head over there, get your bets in. I know I'll be doing it because I'm starting to I'm starting to get a little bit better feel for this NFL season at the first couple of weeks. So it's it's time to get the bets in. Make sure Boston Sports Journal. Yep. Journal. And by the way, make sure when you're listening to this podcast, when you're done to rate and review us. All right. So let's talk about this defense. Now I, I was not too concerned about the secondary. I, I think there's still a very good secondary, Greg, you yeah. know, sometimes you got to tip your cap to a guy like Russell Wilson, who made three great throws while getting hit. I mean, the throw to DK Metcalf was a perfect bucket throw. The throw to Moore, who made a terrific catch and kept his feet in bounds, was another great throw. And the throw to Chris Carson, putting enough air underneath that as he's getting the pass rush in his face, th that's a great quarterback making a couple of great throws. The biggest issue seemed to be, at least to me, and I, I read some of your stuff too earlier this week, was in the middle of the field and at linebacker. And I'll tell you, Bentley looks like he's running through mud out there. And it was clear as day that speed is going to be an issue. Yeah. Now there's a, this, we could spend a whole podcast talking about the defense <laughs> in this game, but there's a, there's one thing that I want to point out to people that might make them feel a little bit better. I'm not sure, but when I watch the defense, particularly, and I'm talking about the passing defense, because we know about the secondary and we know Gilmore has not gotten off to a good start to the season. I mean, right. basically he's going to be in my bottom three, probably for a second straight week. Uh, you know, defensive player of the year, Mr. $5 million is going to be in the bottom three uh, for Patriots uh, when I go on failure and Maz this week. But when do you get concerned about that, by the way, because we have uh, the backstory, we have the backstory that Belichick, you know, you had this, he wasn't, necessarily against the idea of trading Gilmore and yep. 
He was the defensive no. player of the year. He tried twice a year ago. Yeah, he tried mm -hmm. twice. So, you know, maybe there is something here that Belichick saw Gilmore and said, eh, I feel like he could turn the other way. He could turn the corner in a bad way. I'm not going to go there just yet. Right. But it is interesting that off the heels of what we read during the offseason and Belichick at least contemplating the idea of dealing Gilmore his first two weeks, he hasn't been the same guy. Yeah, I'm. Um, one of my thoughts was watching this game was, well, first of all, what the hell is Jason McCourty doing on the field instead of J.C. Jackson giving up two touchdowns? Yeah. Um, if Jason McCourty, for some reason, is taking snaps from J.C. Jackson – there's an issue. Like if you, if, if I don't know, you can't tell me that Jason, that, that Jason McCourty is better than JC Jackson. It's just not, it's not factually correct. And so I don't know why Jason McCourty's out there. I don't know if it's a, you know, gift veteran spot, some sort of nepotism. I don't know what it is, but if, if you want to do that, if you want to put Jason McCourty on the field and you think him and JC Jackson are close enough where they're sharing time, then trade Stefan Gilmore. Get the, you know, if that's what you think, then trade Gilmore, get the cap space, get a pick, whatever, move on and go on with Jason McCourty and JC Jackson, you know, because I, there's no other explanation for, from me, but let's put that aside for a second. And, and what I wanted to tell people about the defense is that the passing defense was when I watched them in this game, the DK Metcalf touchdown, the Carson touchdown, the, uh, there, there were a couple other plays. What I saw was a secondary that was not prepared for some of those plays. And I'm not saying that they weren't coached or not prepared. I look at it from the aspect of, to me, this was a game where COVID factored into the game. And let mm. me explain why I think that. So you're dealing with a Patriots defense that had to deal with all these opt-outs. Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, uh, they had to incorporate rookies. They're just, they basically spent their offseason trying to plug holes. Who's going to play where? They still have no clue where people are going to play, what's going to be successful for them. And so that's where they spent all their time, all their reps in camp. The Seahawks offensively, they basically returned everybody. They, they imported Greg Olson, who's a pro, who, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And so to me, it looked like, the Patriots spent all offseason training camp, everything, just trying to figure out what they're going to do on defense. It looked like Brian Schottenheimer spent his time in the offseason saying, I know what I have. Let's game plan the crap out of the Patriots game. Yeah, like the continuity probably, thing that you and I talked about before the season kicking yeah. off, the continuity, the chemistry, the gelling. It might take a little while. We thought it was going to be on offense. You're telling me it's on defense. Yeah, they, and you could tell this from the DK Metcalf touchdown – it, it was almost – it was very similar to the play uh, that the that the Chiefs ran. They've run it against the Patriots. But also in the Super Bowl, the big pass to Tyreek Hill, they call it – they put a stinger on it. I forget exactly. Wasp with a stinger on it, which is basically Tyreek Hill. Like you think you see on film that Tyreek Hill is going to run this post across the field. But at the last second, they put a stinger on it where instead of running the post, all of a sudden he goes to the corner. And the pay, that DK Metcalf was almost the same exact pass pattern where Devin McCourty is the lone deep safety and he sees Metcalf coming. So he starts to, to float because he thinks that Metcalf is going to come across the field. Metcalf stops and goes the other way. And all of a sudden you could see Devin McCourty. He had flipped his hips thinking that Metcalf was coming his way. And then all of a sudden Metcalf went the other way and uh, McCourty's like, 
oh crap. Like, and then he had to hightail <laughs> it to the other side. Yeah. So I think a lot of the issues in this, uh, some of the issues, cause I don't want to say all of them. Some of them had to do with, I think Schottenheimer just schemed the crap out of this game. Tip your cap. Good for you. It's week two. We'll see if we meet in the Super Bowl what happens. Um, so it that's one thing. But the bigger issue was that their first down and second down defense was terrible. And it started with the defensive line and the linebackers. And they have an issue there. They have an issue against physical teams that – and I'm worried about the Buffalo. I'm worried about the Ravens. I'm worried about some of these teams that they're going to play where – if, if that offensive line is big and Seattle surprised me on how big they were and physical they were in the game, that you can't just go out there with Lawrence Guy and a bunch of midgets up front. I mean, <laughs> and that's really what they have. I mean, you know, they're just getting – Lawrence Guy and the midgets. It sounds like a camp. terrible, terrible group back in the 70s or something. Yes, exactly. But, you know, you can get away – so now the Patriots are – all right, they have Juwan Bentley, who's really their only linebacker. Anthony Jennings played a little bit. Uh, Brandon Copeland was out there running around, not really doing anything, not really a factor. So Bentley's the only guy. And I, I don't think Bentley played that bad. But the thing is, is like with Bentley, and everybody wants to – this is everybody's solution on Twitter when I – of course, I wrote about they have a problem at linebacker. Well, let's just put our safeties out there because they're athletic and they can run around. And, and trust me, and we might talk about this in this pod might be the next one, but I think Kyle Duggar – is on the verge of being a star. But you can't just put safeties at linebacker. Like, there's a reason why teams don't do that outside of sub packages. And that's because if the other team wants to run, you don't have enough weight. Those guys, those 230-pound safeties are going to get swallowed up by 320-pound offensive linemen and tight ends and other people who outweigh them. You just can't do it. So putting Duggar out there and putting Adrian Phillips out there, if the if you don't hold up on the defensive line with big guys, if you don't – Lawrence Guy's just fine by himself. But Byron Cowart is small. You have Chase Winovich on the end. He's fast, but he's small. John Simon's small. Like they're all small up front. If you want to play linebackers at safety, at safeties, a linebacker, that's fine. But you better have some big ass guys on the defensive line holding up blockers. And the Patriots don't have anything close to that right now. And so they're probably in internally thinking, well, now what the hell do we do? And and I don't know how many answers they have on this roster. Interesting. And we'll see if they can make some moves. Belichick's been known as a guy who's aggressive near the trading deadline. Maybe that is Snacks Harrison is still out there, isn't he? Isn't Snacks I, still out there? I would, they have to give, yes, they have to get Bo Allen. Bo Allen has to get out of witness protection and he has to get his big butt on the field because this is why they signed him to be out there and help. Adam Butler's too small. They can't put him out there. Dietrich Wise, he's okay, but he didn't even play that much in this game. Like, th- there is. They need some beef. I assume at some point they're going to get Bo Allen back. He's going to be out there. So you have you have Lawrence Guy and, and and you have Bo Allen. So that's a good start. Linebacker's still going to be an issue. Bentley's slow. One thing I would like to take a look at at some point, and you might think this is crazy, but I kind of want Uh-oh. to take a look at Chase Winovich at, at stand-up linebacker. Really? Get him off the line. Maybe maybe you move Uche there once he gets healthy. Maybe put him on the end of the line. I just think Winovich is he's fast as hell. He's physical. Uh, I want to take a look at him in the old high tower sort of stand up and then edge. 
because I think right now they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of answers at linebacker, and I don't I don't know if Jennings and Uche are going to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean the thought was, hey, maybe one of the two rookies could pop or maybe they'll give you something. Well, Jennings played all of what? Two snaps the other night. Uche has been inactive the first couple of weeks with injuries. So wipe them off the board early on. Winovich has added strength. I mean, he threw Carlos Hyde right out the club on Sunday night. That was ridiculous. He threw him about five yards. Um, But let's talk about it because you mentioned it. I've got to go back to it. I can't just tease it. Kyle Duggar. You said Kyle Duggar. You said star in the same sentence. Yeah, that was one of my big takeaways is just that kid, uh, he played a lot in this game. He just he jumps off the film and and people he will see dudes and blitzes. Like I I actually yes. I I tweeted out at Nick C Radio, if you want to follow me. I tweeted out a video. Uh it was when Winovich threw Hyde out the club. Yeah, that same play. About Winovich. Yep. Yeah, everybody was talking about Winovich. Duggar came flying through on, on a blitz. Guard. And just smoked the guard and pushed them back yeah. four or five yards. Yeah, everybody's like, everybody's feeling themselves like, ooh, look at Winovich. Yeah, he's a linebacker. That's a running back. That's what you're supposed yeah. to do. The yeah. old football saying is backers on backs equals sack. That's what you want. That's how yeah. you scheme up the, the, the defense. But for Kyle Duggar, a rookie safety playing his second game to come in a full head of steam and 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 blow the hell out of Damian Lewis – uh, a, a pretty high draft pick at guard, just blow him backwards. And then like, I don't know, then he tried to like leap over him. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I, I, I just know that Kyle Duggar, when I see him on the field and he doesn't, people, he doesn't even know what the hell he's doing yet. He's really, I mean, he does show good instincts out there and he doesn't make a ton of mental errors, but really he's two, he's two games into this. He doesn't know what he's doing. And his athletic ability just, he, he, he's like a panther. He's stalking the line of scrimmage. And when he go, like, you don't know where he's really coming. And then he just shoots out of a cannon and kills people. Like <laughs> he is, I was just, I, I was getting a little excited watching the film. I can't lie. And like, I just, when I see him, I see Jamal Adams. That's, that's wow. what I see when I watch wow. him. And I just hope he stays healthy and all that. It's, uh, it was something to watch. I'm excited. I I hope he doesn't make me look like a fool. And you know me, Nick. You've known me for years. I don't get excited about no, this young is, this kids. Like you're getting worked up. You're working up a sweat a little bit over Duggar. Yeah. I'm, poof. I'm, I'm getting all a little hot and bothered over here. And it's not even an <laughs> offensive lineman, too. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's it's great to hear. And, and you know, we, we talked about it before, and, and people at camp, you were one of the – the select few that got to actually go to camp and check out the practices. And, you know, the early word was Duggar looks like he fits. He he looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he might actually be able to play a role early on. And if Greg Bedard, who again, doesn't get worked up very often. They don't call me the wet blanket of reason for nothing. Yeah. They don't, yeah. they don't call me the wet blanket of reason for nothing. Right. And, and so, you know, the fact that Greg is so worked up over Duggar in game two, I think is a, is a great thing for Patriots fans. Cause it seems like, you know, when Duggar was drafted, I was one of the people I, I didn't know much about Duggar. It wasn't like I was reading through, you know, Mel Kuyper jr's notes and, and, right. you know, breaking down film of Kyle Duggar. One yeah, more Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. But here is. we are, here we are week two and dude is plowing through offensive linemen. I think it's, 
it's one of those things to watch and be excited for about this defense. All right, let's move on to the BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. You can check them out over at BSJ for 11 cents a day on their annual plan. You have access to Greg, Sean McAdam, Brian Robb, Connor Ryan, Dr. Jessica Flynn, and many more to come. Boston sports coverage the way you remember it. It's no clickbait, no BS, no politics, just straight top-notch analysis of your team's from a company that is, of course, all New England. And by the way, you'll find a ton of videos and commentary from this game at BSJ, yeah, uh, I'm only a- available to BSJ members. Yeah, Nick, I'm about to post. I think I got a little video happy in this game. So, like, if you are a member of BSJ, <laughs> just to clue people in, like, when I do my – when I write up my review of this game, which goes a little bit more in-depth than what we're talking about, I will have – I think I have about eight or nine videos – from this game, including I watched Duggar just for an entire series, and I and I talk you through what's getting me all hot and bothered and the need to see my doctor if it lasts more than four hours. But anyways, that's the kind of stuff you get at BSJ if you uh, if you subscribe. A lot of film. Martin Scorsese, BostonSportsJournal.com. Yep. All right, let's get to uh, Brad P., who has the question this week. Patriots run game was non-existent Sunday night. 14 rushes by running backs, 11 by Cam. This seems the opposite of bully ball, which we talked about, after, especially after that Miami game. Was this a product of the score, Greg? Was it the product of run blocking, game plan, injuries? And, uh, you know, should we expect this to continue this week against Las Vegas? Great question from um, Brad P. And, uh, you know, I asked some people around the Patriots this week, like, you know, what was the deal with that? And and I could sort of see it on film as well. And what the issue with the running game was, uh, you know, what it looked like is that the Seahawks are – the Seahawks are one thing to sort of game plan for and to watch film and think about what you're going to encounter. But it's quite another thing to play those guys. Like, you can't – the Patriots just play a different defense. They play more of a three, four, and it's, you know, you two gap up front. This Seahawks defense, and and while they're a bit undermanned on the defensive line and in the secondary, they're still freaking fat. And Bobby Wagner, I gotta say, watching the film, holy crap, is Bobby Wagner good. I mean, He's he just he gets off blocks all the time. You, know, you look at these guys, whether it's Tooney or Mason, you're like, all right, well, he's on the backer now. That guy's erased. No, 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 Wagner finds a way to get around them or through them. Like, it's just, it's incredible. And I, it's just, you can't prepare for Seattle. So, yes, bully ball, I, they got a little bit bullied in this game. And I don't want to put it all on Michelle. I thought he had some good, tough yards. I think a lot of it was with the blockers. I thought Isaiah Wynn, I'm just looking at my chart now. Isaiah Wynn had a really rough game. Uh, Mason had a tough game for him. Tooney wasn't great. Um, Wynn really had a tough time. And that's the type of thing where you're just, you, you can't, you can't simulate it in practice. And so I thought they, they got a little bit overwhelmed. Now, when it comes to playing the Raiders this week, and I haven't watched Raiders film. I watched a lot of it last year when I was covering the Raiders for part of the season. And that's a very simple scheme. Paul Gunther runs the old Bengals uh, scheme. They shouldn't have any issues with it. Uh, Max Crosby up front is very good. He's like J.J. Watt Jr. I don't know what else they've imported. I know they they basically brought in all new linebackers, which they needed to do because their linebackers were terrible last year. But this should be a game where the Patriots are able to do whatever they want offensively uh, and, and play bully ball. But I think I think Seattle had more to do with what went on on Sunday night than it was, you know, the Patriots just having a tough time. It's just 
they're just they're just unique and you really don't know until you play them yeah and you talk about bobby wagner getting off blocks last night you know you looked at vegas versus new orleans monday night football and vegas did have some issues getting off blocks and yeah. it looked like the saints could run the ball now obviously they have alvin Kamara, and their offensive line's pretty damn good but it did look like there could be some opportunities there for the Patriots versus Vegas, but we're going to hold off because that's actually the next podcast. We're going to break down the Raiders versus the Patriots, or as I should say, the Raiders. He's Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, of course, is brought to you by BetUS.com. Don't forget to rate and review us. Hit us up on Apple and continue to enjoy the show as we continue to actually do this podcast twice a week. Greg, I'll talk to you in a couple days, my man. Sounds good, bud. Thanks.